Hi, everybody. Welcome to the bonus episode of the Icebreakers podcast. Matt Evers here sat alongside the ever gorgeous, the stunning, the dynasty, Frankie Seaman. How are you tonight? Yeah, I'm pretty good. We did a banging show. We did do a banging show. And on this bonus episode, we have a, a banging boy band member, Duncan James. Woof, what a scoop this is. Take a look. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Icebreakers podcast today. We are incredibly honored to be joined by the incredible singer, presenter, actor, pop star, royalty, all rise for the legend that is Duncan James. What a lovely intro. Thank you. Do I have to pay you for that intro? Yeah. Very expensive. It's so good to see you. It's been years, babes. How are you? It has been absolute years and years. Um, I think the last time I saw you was what? Maybe it was what? Nearly 10 years ago? Yeah. It was the Professionals on Ice Tour. That that first tour that the pros did. Um, We had you guys come in and then do the opening show in Nottingham, uh, which was incredible. Yeah. What a show. What a show that was. My God, you guys knocked it out of the park. And then we had to follow it. We were like, we're following Blue. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, can I just say, why Why do both of you not age? Like, what is going on? What is the we're still We're still frozen in the is ice cold. Always... I was going to say, it's the ice cold, yeah. isn't it? Ice freezing. It's it keeps your cryogenic keeps the lines away. Yeah, and I should have kept up ice skating. Oh, we want to talk about all about your journey and your ice skating journey. I mean, it was 2007 that you did the show. My God, was it that yeah. long ago? You were Series babies. Two. I don't think I even had any tattoos. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like covered now. I don't really think I had any tattoos oh, then. Wow. That's how long ago it was. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, you were, you were baby face, clean cut Duncan at that time. And um, although you were, you were a total rock star, I mean, literally, I think the whole place was so buzzing to hear that when, when, we, when we signed you for the show, I mean, it was so exciting. And I remember, you know, well, you probably remember it better when you first met Maria, but when she found out that she was skating with you, the place blew yeah. up. Maria Filipov, I absolutely love her, miss her. She's so gorgeous. She is. Now, I want to go back just a couple of more months before then, because you, Blue was sort of on a little bit of a hiatus at that point, correct? Like 2006-ish? Yeah, we, we kind of took a break 2005. Yeah. So then when you got the phone call for Dancing on Ice, did you a know what the show was? Had you watched the first series? And then like, what was your initial sort of feeling of like, oh my gosh, they want me to do this show? So I remember getting a phone call um, asking if I'd like to come in and meet Torvald and Dean to do a, a practice on the ice for, for, for Dancing on Ice. It was the second season. And the only person that I kind of remember from that first season, apart from Gaynor Faye winning it, was... Bonnie Langford with the headbanger, that kind of really famous uh, scene of, of her doing the headbanger and um, it being quite crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. the head was like that far from the ice. Uh, and I remember thinking, God, this program's scary, but I loved Torval and Dean growing up. I, I remember watching them in the Olympics. I remember us being very much a household of pro Torval and Dean lovers. So for me, just to be able to just to show my worth to them by getting on the ice was just like incredible. So I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm up for meeting Torval and Dean because, you know, they're pretty cool. And how did that audition go? It went all right. I think it must have gone pretty well because I got, I got the job. So, I mean, look, I'd never had, I'd never skated 
before on a level, but I had, when I was a little boy, there was a place in, uh, in Dorset where I lived and it was called Ice Tracks. And it was Splashdown was the water park and Ice Tracks was the skating rink. And me and my friends after school, we used to go to Ice Tracks and we used to try and see who could skate the fastest around the, around the ring. And, you know, first of all, I used to be holding on to the sides, but then as you get a little bit more confident, you can actually just skate. I mean, I had no technique, yeah. but I could actually stand up without falling over. So I had a basic kind of understanding of being on the ice, what it felt like. So when I kind of got to, to, to meet Torben and Dean and I got on the ice, it was an opportunity for me to go, look, I can mm -hmm. skate. Um, but obviously I couldn't really skate at all. So, oh, you, yeah. you could. I mean, my first re re um, memory of you, when I first saw you on the ice, I was like, damn. He is so good. I mean, you were fearless and you were fast. I think it was obvious that you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the fear factor was like, it wasn't there. You know, now being older, having injuries and stuff, I'd be a lot more scared. I remember watching Claire Sweeney on this season of Dancing on Ice, who's a friend of mine. And she's, you know, ringing me up saying, I just fear falling over because it hurts. And when that toe pick goes in the ice and you have a big fall, it's really scary and actually it gives you the actual fear that it's going to happen again and i remember that fear that toe pick when that goes in it's oh my god it's so scary <laughs> it's like life flashes before you it's a trigger for trauma <laughs> that's ace it is definitely a toe pick trigger for trauma so you nailed the audition uh you got the gig and then you go on to meet maria and we were just speaking about maria but what were what were sort of your your first memories of her you know because it was only her second series well it was actually all of our second series at that point um because we found maria down in australia uh previous uh that summer here in the uk like under a rock yeah. you found her <laughs> well, she was she was australia. a professional from australia even though she's bulgarian um she was teaching down in sydney and we were looking for local pros to do the dancing and ice version in in australia anyway and so she joined the cast, but then she did come to London with us for that second series here and then got teamed up with you. What was your sort of just initial feelings about her? I just thought she was the cutest little thing and she was just so sweet and smiley and just adorable looking. Uh, I was really pleased that she was quite small as well because I just was worried that am I going to have a, a tall ice skater that I'm going to have really trouble lifting and doing all this stuff with. Um, but I was quite happy that she was quite petite and cute and just gorgeous. And our first ever song that we had to do together um, was that Slow Down. What was that? Um, uh, na, 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 na. What was it called? Um, Keep singing. It's um, fine. Last Request. Wait a minute. Last, Wait last a minute. Request. Is, Dun is Duncan singing to us? Because I could just, let's stop talking and listen to Duncan sing. <laughs> It was Last Request. Was it Paolo Nutini? Yes. Paolo yes. Last Request. So it was it was a romantic song and we had to obviously find that inner romance for a partnership that you need, which is so important for being, you know, ice skating partners. Um, and of course, I was a secret little gay boy then. I didn't really know my sexuality properly because I hadn't fully come out at that point. So I was just a bit in awe of Maria and I just was like, oh, she's so cute and lovely. So I found that playing the romance card quite easy with her because she was just so cute. So that was nice, actually, that we had a very good bond from the beginning. It wasn't false. It wasn't faked. It wasn't staged. It was just a natural love that we actually had for one another. And I think it was a, a mutual respect, which is really important when you're doing something like Dancing on Ice. 
And I think if you had grown up watching Torval and Dean as well and the way that they would emote that romance to each other on the ice, I think that was probably very inspirational for all of us because obviously we all skate together. We're not all in relationships. We're not all in love. And even if you are in a relationship with your partner, you're not always in love with them because some days they really annoy you. Matt Evers. So <laughs> I think that probably... Um... <laughs> But watching them and the way that they get through that and the way that they build that love story, I think is very, it's very inspirational for artists in general. When mm. you come as, as an actor or a presenter or as a singer or a musical background, I think we can all look at that and go, yeah, I want to capture that magic on the ice. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is really important as well. And, and you want to show the judges that you have a good chemistry with your partner. That's part of it as well. You know, you want to just, A, you want to get on, genuinely get on, because we've all had the horror stories of partners that don't get on with their professional mm. um, skating partners. So you just want to make sure that you do have a genuine, nice connection that is real because that's really important. And also you just want to make sure that, um, you know, every week when you go out there on a, on a Saturday night, it's really scary and you want that person to be really supportive of you because it is so nerve wracking. I mean, I used to physically shake. I used to remember being on the ice about to start the live recording and my legs would be like jelly. I'd be shaking and then I'd have to go out and dance and lift Maria with my legs like jelly shaking. I mean, that was really, that was really hard for me. Um, but having someone like her who was just so supportive, encouraging, and just, just being able to look in her eyes and her squeezing my hand, looking at me and like, you've got this, it just gives you everything. Amazing. And if you don't have strength. that, if you don't have that from your partner, it must be even worse because it's just like, oh my God, I haven't got this and I don't feel a connection with you. So I'm just like out there on my own. Winging. Well, I think, a, yeah, I think a lot of emphasis is, is often um, placed on the male celebrity or the male pro partner that um, everybody always says, oh, to the females, you must really trust your partner because he's flinging you around. But I also think the male celebrity needs to trust the female partner that we're not mm. going to put you in a situation where one, you're going to get hurt. We're going to train you during the week so that you're safe. Um, that you feel that you can perform on the night with nerves when you throw yeah. that into the mix as well, but also that you can trust your partner to have your back if something does go wrong. And that's equally yeah. for the male partner and the female partner. We're not strong enough to maybe hold you up if things go really wrong and you're starting to fall, but we are strong enough mentally to say, hey, that's okay, let's carry on. I think it's really mm -hmm. important that you have that trust. And I loved that partnership between you guys. You always had so much fun uh, and so much communication between the two of you. It was really lovely to watch. Thank you. Yeah, and, and we and we had a lot of trust with each other, which was really nice. Um, I remember once during during rehearsals, I dropped her, and it was honestly the worst feeling in the world because you know what it's like if a pro drops you. It's I'm sure it's happened to you, Frankie. Um, in, in rehearsals, it's the scariest thing, and, and and of course for for the celeb dropping your pro partner, it's just like oh my god, it's like the worst thing in the world. I mean, saying that, Maria did put a, I did get a toe pick in my face once from her by when she was doing a lift. So, you know, it, it, it equally works both ways. But I do... Those paybacks, man, I yeah, tell you. Sure. And I yeah. think, too, you guys really, looking back on that first series, um, we didn't have partnerships like that because we were all still trying to figure it out. And I think by the time we got to the second series, you and Maria really set a benchmark for that relationship that came across on camera, which then has led to i mean we're now talking 14 series later um and it was just really nice to see that what you guys brought to the ice and you know what she as a person as a human being really brought to the ice too and then was able to bring that out of you as an artist um in the combination of you know your acting and your singing prior to ice skating but then taking that to the ice and being able to 
trust each other enough to have those sort of performances because it was incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was really special. It, the whole experience of Dancing Nice was really special. Um, I can't believe it was 2007 because honestly, it does feel like another lifetime ago and it does feel surreal looking back at some of the old performances <laughs> yeah. on YouTube and stuff of me and Maria skating. It, it, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, that's me, but it doesn't feel like me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just so, it's so surreal. It's so surreal. And I, I look back and um, uh, sometimes like my friends, like my partner or somebody, they might just pull it up for, for a laugh and go, hey, look at this. Look what I found. You, you dancing in this crazy outfit with crazy hair, um, <laughs> taking a mickey out of me. But um, that's part of the parcel. You know, you do get to dress up in these in these incredible costumes, uh, you get to have the full hair and makeup experience, which is great. And you get to just, you know, be camp and glitzy and, and fab every single week on telly. So, I mean, it is such a fun show to be a part yeah. of. And at the end of it, we were very lucky that we got to go on tour. So it didn't end. It kind of continued with the tour. So that was just like pressure was off. We weren't, you know, under the cameras of a studio we were on tour we were having fun and then it that's when i really started to you know really enjoy my skating i think well we do have a special message from somebody that i wanted to play for you um because as much as you love her hey duncan i just wanted to say hi and i wanted to share some of my uh most fond memories of us skating together and um, it's always been an amazing oh. fun sharing the ice with you and teaching you to skate and you've always been such a fun person to be around uh, outside the ice as well and we stayed in touch for a long time and kind of became really good friends um uh, but one of my funniest memories would be that you really you do really appreciate food good food and you'd call me in the random hours of the night to tell me that you've tried this bulgarian food particularly bulgarian sausage food and that you loved it so much and that made me feel really good and that you appreciate my country's food and i was kind of homesick so it was nice nice to hear that but you're a lovely kind person and i've always appreciate your friendship sending lots of love oh <laughs> well, actually, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned Maria because we have, Matt and I have been doing a special series, a pro series, where we've just been concentrating solely on a different pro or a different pro couple each week. And Maria was one of the first people that we interviewed. And of course, she spoke so fondly of you and all the different people that she'd um, skated with. So if you are a fan of the Icebreakers podcast or the bonus episodes, or if you're a fan of the pro skaters, do tune in and you'll be seeing more of Maria soon. Do you know she she used to bring in into the into the rehearsal for me um pieces of Bulgarian meat sausage meat it was like I had this thing I love this dried sausage meat from Bulgaria she used to bring all different types shapes and sizes I just loved having a bit of sausage in my mouth before I got on the ice so yeah a bit of Bulga a bit of Bulgarian sausage always gave me a good you know I knew it was going to be a good skating day when Maria brought me in a big slab of Bulgarian sausage meat. Oh my god! Well, speaking of <laughs> she's famous you know, speaking for that. <laughs> of the tour, and then as well your your love for food. I can um, one of my most favorite memories on tour was that uh, that first tour that you and I did together, uh, Duncan. And we, I believe, we were in Birmingham, and I think it was like Kieran Bracken, and there was a couple of us that were out during the day, and it was like a food market, and we walked past this sort of random booth that had meat, and you bought a bone. 
and actually just sucked on a bone. <laughs> and as an American, I was like, what is this boy doing? Like, I just didn't understand it. But you were like, no, it's actually really good for you. <laughs> so so I, I, I've i always had, ever since I was a little, little boy, my grandma used to make uh, roast dinners every Sunday. And I used to, for some reason, if it was like a piece of roast beef or a a piece of lamb or whatever, I would always at the end make sure I got the bone of meat and just would gnaw the rest of the meat off the bone ever since I was a little boy. And that kind of habit has continued as I've got into adult life. So if I see if I'm having a, a big juicy T-bone steak and it's got a big bone in it, I'm the one at the table literally with grease all over my mouth, like sucking it, sucking the bone. And I was told, this is a true story, I was told by psychic medium, if you believe in that stuff, that in a past life, I was a knight on the round table and I, she said to me, do you like eating bones and meat? And like, it's very animalistic. You like rip it and you want to just throw it away. And I was like, yeah, that's me. She was like, yeah, cause you were a knight on the round table and that's how you used to eat your food with your hands, your chicken bones, your beef bones, any kind of bone. It was in that mouth and you were sucking on the bone, chucking it away. And she was like, I can see you in your past life doing that and i was like that's so weird because i do it now wow <laughs> you're lancelot literally maybe who knows oh my god that's amazing bone a lot lancelot so <laughs> bone a lot well i mean they're incredible stories but since the dancing on ice tour um you've actually <laughs> Bring transitioned it into something <laughs> you've transitioned into some incredible things i mean hollyoaks priscilla queen of the desert your range is unbelievable but we need to talk about what you're doing now because I know there's some really exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, you know what? It's, I've had a really great... Obviously, off the back of Dancing in Ice, it opened the door to musical theatre for me. I literally landed the part of Billy Flynn in Chicago right off the back because I got to the final of in course. Dancing in Ice. I got to the final and then, of course, I did well in the show and uh, a phone call started coming in. I got offers for Wicked, um, Chicago, and I went. ended up going to play that part of Billy Flynn I've done it like five times now um, in the West End and on tour. And it was great. And from that, I got into other musicals and Rocky Horror Show, getting to play Frank and Furter and all sorts of incredible parts. And then kind of the blue thing is, is having a little resurgence again, um, which is great. I'm not mad at that because I love the boys and it's nostalgia for me as well. It's been 20, 24 years since we've been together. Um, and... We are, everybody's great... so excited though. Everybody's like all the fans and everybody's so excited about this. I mean, it is brilliant news. Well, we're doing a greatest hits tour. We're going around the world. We've literally got a greatest hits around the world tour. And it's, it's amazing because I love traveling. Um, I love just having the opportunity to play in front of different audiences and, and watching everybody sing back from all different parts of the world, your songs that you've written and that you've performed is such a great, buzz so although i love doing all my musical theater stuff i really do have a special place in my heart for blue because it's why i got on dancing and ice do you know what i mean it's why everything happened for me in this in this industry is because of blue so i owe so much to blue um so getting an opportunity to travel around the world doing a little greatest hits tour um for me i'm i'm super happy this year so yeah do you have any dates yet when are you playing london we are, we've got three nights at the Palladium on the 18th, 19th and 20th of April. So coming up We're soon. Coming. So if, come, I'll, Ali will get you guys tickets. So yeah, come and see us at the Palladium. I think Matt, you're going to be there anyway. I am, yeah. You guys have sort of brought me in on a little bit of we, the creative side, which I'm really excited about. Really excited about. 
Well, I've known I've I've known you for a long, long time, Matt Evers, <laughs> um, and I've we've you know. I was straight in those days. So, uh, and then I, you kind of saw me through my coming out period. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and we've, we've known each other for a long time. So yeah, it's nice that, um, now all these years later, we're getting to work together again in a different yeah, kind of way. Absolutely. So it's nice. No, I just kind of, I just quickly yeah. wanted to touch upon the fact of, you know, sort of through the dancing and ice experience, like you were talking about, you were in the closet, if we want to call it that, or you hadn't come out publicly. Um, likewise at that point in the yeah. show, when you and I worked together, I was, I had a boyfriend at the time, but I wasn't out publicly and it wasn't until God, 10 years later, did I have the courage to come out publicly? Cause you, you know, we come from the generation Duncan, where it's kind of that, the swing generation of the, the gay people or the queer people that are older than us just really never came out because they were so scared for either their lives or for their careers. And then you've got the younger generation that's below us right now that where nobody gives a shit, right? Um, but our generation, it was still kind of like, oh, I don't know when I should do it and if it's going to affect anything in my life and this, that, and the other. For you, what was that turning point when you just went, you know what, that it's time? Do you know what? It's, it's really, um, Dancing on Ice is, not a lot of people know this, but um, it was really important for me in so many ways and you know they say everything happens for a reason but i got to meet stephen gately on dancing on ice and um me and stephen during the course of dancing on ice had some pretty intense conversations together um one of those conversations was about him coming out because there had been a press story um that they outed him um i believe and it was uh, really hard for him mentally to deal with it you know being an irish guy with all the Catholic kind of guilt, everything that's attached to the shame and everything, being in a boy band, having the kind of huge success that he had in Boyzone, um, and then coming out as gay, it was just a lot for him. And I remember at the time, I was having some conversations and he turned around to me. I remember we were lacing our boots up to, to, to go and have a, a rehearsal on the ice. And he, uh, he said to me, you're like me, aren't you? And I went, what? And I was so shook by what he said. And I was like, what do you mean I'm like you? What do you mean? He was like, He's like, I can just tell. And I, I looked at him and I went, oh my God. And I kind of started to well up. And I remember he just, he gave me a hug. And I never, I never admitted to him, yes, you're right. Because I was scared to admit to anybody, but we just had a look into each other's eyes and, and a hug. And it was a, a tight squeeze. Like, and I thought, oh, he knows, he knows without me even saying it, he just knew. Um, and he did. And that was like, such a almost like a big weight relief because i thought what well, if he's gone through all that and he's done all that then i i can do that and i will never forget that to the to the day i die um that was my my little connection with him and and sadly he did die and it was he never got to see me come out and do my my kind of version we never had a conversation about mm. it really so um it's it's it was really sad bittersweet really because um that was a beautiful loving moment that we had and then obviously the bitterness that he passed and um i never got to to have a full conversation with him that's really touched me sorry i don't know why i'm <laughs> you've got me crying over here yeah that's it was really a beautiful, beautiful yeah it was a beautiful moment yeah and god rest his soul but we said we said the dancing on ice experience together along with another pop star Lisa Scott Lee, yes. who uh, is a friend of mine from Steps. Yeah. So it was quite a pop starry, uh, pop starry year and, and tour. So it, it was fun. Wow. It was a really fun, fun show. It was a great cast yeah, as well. 
It's interesting, Duncan, because I think we've had a lot of these conversations. We've had your friend, as you were speaking about, Claire Sweeney, on this podcast as well. And we've had quite a few people, obviously, my husband, David. And it's quite interesting to see how a silly little ice skating show, as we might think of it, you know, we're not saving lives, we're not launching rockets into space, there's, there's nothing deep behind the show. But it is interesting to see how many people's lives it has changed That's and changed. in such drastic, incredible ways. So I think that story that you've told us about Stephen and obviously God rest his soul because we all love Stephen. Um, but thank you for sharing that with us because I think it's really important for people to hear that, that something so seemingly small and maybe insignificant at the time, like somebody just saying to you, I see you, I know you, I understand your journey, can have such huge ramifications for the rest of your life. And I think mm -hmm. it's really important for people to hear that. So thank you for sharing that story with us and thank you, Stephen, for being there when mm. you needed it. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well said, well said. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, I I um I just love that that dancing ice is still going strong, and and I have so many friends each year that I know from the industry that are are going through similar journeys and how it's touched them as well. And like I said, Claire Sweeney is a, one of my really, really, really good friends, and we've had many a conversation about you know dancing and ice, and obviously before she went onto the show, how nervous she was, how terrified she was, and um. And then I remember watching her on, on show one and I said, look at you. I said, you've got nothing to worry about. You're amazing. You know, tits and teeth, well, darling. Tits and teeth. <laughs> that was chariot week. So, I mean, she was in her element. She looked amazing in her golden chariot. <laughs> she did. And I love the fact, I did ring her. I said, I love the fact that you had two of the pro skaters with their tops off. I said, only you, Claire Sweeney, <laughs> yeah. only you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so what, what for you was your standout performance from the show when you did it? I mean, you had so many iconic moments. I mean, I'll never forget the hair. That was quite controversial when we oh, did your hair in straws. I mean, that was a whole thing. But what was your most Oh, I forgot about that. Because you, you, I mean, you got all the way to the, the, the hair. hair straws. But I mean, you, oh. you, you got all the way to the final. I mean, sadly, you didn't get to skate your Bolero, but you, you practiced it. So I don't know which was your favorite um, number that you did with Maria. So Do you have one. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Mr. Blue Sky was a really important, that was prop yeah. week and we had the umbrella and I just, I, I'd never, do you know what the mad thing is? I'd never heard of that piece of music before. Um, Mr. Blue Sky, which was obviously because I wasn't blue and they picked it because it was such an iconic song. And now I look back and I hear it all the time and it, every time it pops up or wherever I am and I hear it on the radio or wherever, I always think of Maria and I always think of the umbrella. Um, so every time I hear that song, it kind of triggers me to my dance for nice <laughs> days. Um, but for me, that that routine was so fun and it was such a great prop to use. And it was tricky. It was a really tricky prop. But I just remember loving that performance. That for me was the one that I kind of just remember the mm. most. Um, obviously, the hair with the straws was I got a lot of ribbing for that in the in the press. And uh, yeah, just talk us through day. that. That route, that whole process of the hair and the straws, because people at home might have might need might might need their memory jogging. Yeah, I was going to say insert hair picture here. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think at the time I, we were just in the makeup chair and we were just like, let's do something different with your hair for this. What about? making it curly and I was like oh my god yeah how can I make it curly and I was like can you make it like Justin Timberlake hair like really tight curls and I remember the makeup girls go saying well we're gonna have to put, wrap it in straws for this to get it that curly and I was like do it do it do it and I, I was like 
Maria was like horrified. She was like, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, yeah, it's going to be fun. Amazing. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, there is... Oh, that's like a whole TikTok Oh, I know, now. exactly. The whole... Yeah. Before we let you go, the... So, flying during your series was in the final. But this year, flying is in the semifinal. Do you have any sort of um, tips or, I guess, any advice for the contestants this year that are going forward for... Because pretty much all of them listen to the podcast. Um, and since you flew... Yeah. Do, you, do you remember like any advice that you could give them? Yeah, I hated the fly. I thought I was going to love it because I just thought this is going to be really fun. I'm getting to go up in the air. It looks amazing. But actually the reality of it, when I was up there and I was practicing, I hated it because I felt really sick. I felt really nauseous. And, you know, obviously you have to do the spinny stuff. And for me, my head, it was just making me really disorientated and dizzy. And I, I didn't enjoy that that feeling, which I thought I was going to love it, but I didn't. Um, it takes me back to kind of, you know, when you go to the fairground and you go on those kind of waltzes and those rides that spin you, I hate them. And every, as a kid, I used to think, yeah, you're going to go on the waltzer. I'd always get off and going, why did I do that? Because it was the worst feeling in the world. I've had that relationship with the flying week uh, in Dancing on Ice. So um, if you're fine and you don't get like motion sickness, you're going to be great. Um, but if you're like me and you get a bit queasy with stuff like that, take a, take a sick bag. That's all I'm going to say. Take a sick <laughs> bag or have a bucket at the side of the ice rink. Uh, cause you might a sparkly one there, a sparkly, a sick sparkly bag. one, a sparkly sick bag or a sparkly bucket. But, um, do you know what? It is fun. It is. I would not change it for the world. It, you know, it was such a great experience to do something like that. Only on dancing and ice, you could do something like that. So it's really fun. I just think my advice would be just embrace everything that's happening and enjoy it because it is a one in a lifetime experience that you are going to look back on in years and you're going to be like, I wish I did that better. Or I wish I put more oomph into that. Or I wish I didn't have that fear because you're going to look back later on and just be like, Oh, it was the best thing ever. Amazing. Thank you for joining us. It's been honestly an absolute pleasure to reminisce with you, to walk down memory lane. Uh, I think those days were our glory days on Dancing on Ice. I think some of the best partnerships, some of the best routines, some of the best friendships, the best fun were had during those days. And um, I thank you so much for coming and sharing those experiences with us. We love you so much. We want to send our love, obviously, to Simon and Lee and Anthony. You guys are going to rock this world tour. We are going to be there front and centre, giving it loads <laughs> for you guys. We can't wait thank to hear you. all about it. So have the best time when we wish you the best of luck. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you. And also special thanks to Maria for my lovely message. It was really lovely. So big love well, to all. Well, actually, we... Thank you. Thank you, Duncan. Well, that was fun. That was amazing. <laughs> so, so good. Now, as we do every week with this bonus episode, we get to your guys' questions Oh, my comments. favorite bits. The fan zone. Can I tell you how busy this week was on social media? Because I think of just all the controversy that was on the show. And also that Johnny Weir has now gone back to the States. And we do, we are really looking forward to seeing Ashley. We hope that everything's okay. I did hear that he'd had a little accident. So Ashley, we hope that you've had a full and speedy recovery. And we're looking forward to seeing you next week on the panel. And I think we just wanted to go through some of the comments about Johnny Weir. It's been refreshing, I think, for a lot of the people at home to have another skating judge on that panel. You know, no disrespect to what Odie and Ashley bring to that panel, but to have three sets of skating eyes has been, it's been good for the show. It's great for the show. However, I will say, small caveat with that, none of those skating judges as iconic and incredible and wonderful and amazing and accomplished as they all are 
Not one of them has skated with a celebrity before. And that is a different aspect. And that's why we're here to unpack all of this for you. Yeah. Uh, Nicola has said Adele skated on her own the same amount as Amber. Now, Twitter has gone wild for Adele. She wants it to make sense. So it kind of throws back to the main episode. I think if you listen to the main episode, we did unpack a lot of this. Yes, I think, you know, we are going to see Amber skate more on her own now. She is starting to really focus on that. She does skate on her own. We've seen sections of her by herself. She's not as strong as some of the other skaters that skate solo. However, I did point out this week that sometimes when... Uh, Adele skates uh, in partnership with Mark uh, is exactly that. It's a partnership. You feel like they're more on equal terms and that she's still strong enough to to hold her own. Whereas sometimes when we see Amber skate, it feels a little bit like Simon is assisting her. And I think that's where the judges don't get to clarify that sometimes due to their time constraints. Mm, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Now, we also asked a couple of weeks ago about some of your highlights of Dancing on Ice and what Dancing on Ice either means to you or your family, you know, people were recalling the fact that it was always a Sunday night event at their house. They always had lasagna on Dancing and Ice or whatever it was. We had this really nice email come in from Deborah, and she says she's loving the podcast. She loves all the behind the scenes insights that we're giving her. And she said, like me, my mom is a huge fan of Dancing and Ice, but unlike me, she was a good skater in her youth. And she often used to visit Nottingham Ice Rink after work back in the 1950s. She says that it was so refreshing to be in the cool air after working in a textile factory all day. Several years ago, they attended the Dancing and Ice tour at Wembley, and they had front row seats, which was something that they will never forget. Mom has also had quite a collection of ice skating ornaments that she puts on the Christmas tree every year. Now, she doesn't skate anymore, but remains an avid spectator and thought that we that we would like to know how much enjoyment that the skating and us bring to their lives over the past years. I mean, I love emails like this. It really warms your heart. So thank you for sending that in, Deborah. Hello to you and your gorgeous mom. And I hope that you continue to enjoy ice skating for many years to come. Amen. So we also had a great question from Spenny who wanted to know what it was like skating with a camera person on the ice. And if there were rehearsals done as well. Because a lot of people are like, wait a second, there's actually a, a camera on the ice with with the teams? And there is. They introduced this uh, about four or five years ago with a guy called Jordan who runs the On Ice Perspectives account, which is a massive account on social media. Very talented guy. However, he has now gone on to greener pastures. And then we brought in two years ago this kid named James, who's uh, based out of Milton Keynes, who is a hockey player. Jordan was a figure skater. Yeah. But yes, they get the camera blocking routines every week, which typically have to be done for the television director on Wednesday or Thursday, which is kind of like a rough outline of what your routine looks like. And where you're going to be on the ice at certain times, points in the music. So then that gets fed through to this camera person, uh, James, and he then plots out with his technical director where you can be on the ice at the same time that it's safe. The first time that the celebs see this person on the ice, it can freak them out sometimes. But when you're in the moment of the performance, even for us pros, I can't recall a time that I've ever remembered seeing James on the ice, even though he's there for probably 25% of the time. Well, that's when you know someone's doing a great job, when they just blend seamlessly into the background. They don't get in your way and they don't distract you. So well done, James. Yeah, so there is a lot of rehearsal that you do with that camera person that's on the ice. And yeah, I think it's a great element that has been added to the show over the past four or five years. So one more great question that we had this week regarding Torvald and Dean, which was your favorite Torvald and Dean routine? Now, I know there have been 
hundreds probably on Dancing on Ice and on the tours over the years, but I'm going to go back, way back, back into time because my most favourite, favourite Jane Torval and Christopher Dean routine ever has got to be Barnum and Bailey. Oh, Look it up on YouTube, peeps. If you haven't seen it, it is perfection. Well, and as well, some of their professional routines that they've done, because back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, there used to be professional competitions as Not well. to mention they were also on tour with the Fire and Ice tour that they did. Yeah. There are, I mean, there's dozens upon dozens, pretty much anything Jane and Chris did in the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s is just incredible. They did a piece, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, which was for a professional competition, and it is spellbinding. That routine will make you cry. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, Lakeside Shopping Centre, the leading retail and leisure destination in Essex. Just 35 minutes from London with free parking and over 250 stores to discover. This week, I am the boss because I'm wearing head-to-toe boss. Thank you, boss. Amazing. And I'm wearing Zara. Once again, great questions, you guys. Make sure you hit us up on the socials. Pretty much it's at ice.breakers.pod across all of them. Join our WhatsApp group. If you go to either Frankie or myself's individual social media, you can find all of the links there. Great week. Yeah, I loved it. Really good week. We're, Bring we're, on the semis. The semifinals. Woo! Bring on flying. I'm actually really excited to see how they do this because sometimes it works I amazingly. You, I'm sorry, what? <coughs> I hate flying. I loved it. It's hard for the pro girls. It's so hard for the pro girls. We've got a lot to talk about next yes, week. Yes, we do. A lot to talk about. We'll see you there. Flying is very unfair. Just saying. It's like flying first class or flying economy. Literally, it's not fair. But we're going to talk about this next week. So join us on the podcast. See you then. Produced by Be Inspired Media, the content and podcast agency. 